This is the Kavnis HR Podcast, and we want you to be great every day. Join us as we transform the human resources outsourcing industry while we talk to small business owners, founders, and people in tech, startup, and HR spaces. Now, please welcome your host, Jason Kavnis. Hello, and welcome to the Kavnis HR Podcast. This is your host, Jason Kavnis. Our guest today is Michaela Kiner. Michaela, are you ready to be great today? Yes, I am. Michaela, Michaela, I'm sorry, is a native Seattleite who spent the last 15 years in HR leadership roles at some of Seattle's biggest companies, including Microsoft, Amazon, Pop, Cap Games, and Redfin. In 2015, she founded Uniquely HR, which provides flexible HR for fast-growing companies. She enjoys being creative and solving problems in space that most leaders love to hate. She is an International Coaching Federation credential coach who enjoys working with executives and high potential leaders. Michaela, you have a lot going on, and I know you're doing a lot of great things. Would you like to fill us in, like what you're doing yourself and what you're, how your nuclear HR is working right now? Sure. Well, first of all, Jason, thank you so much for having me. I'm really thrilled to be here and have a chance to talk with you and share a little bit more about Uniquely HR. We've been in business for just over two years. And I would say, you know, in those two years, I think we have really learned who we are and what we do best. So we are coming up on a rebrand and relaunch of our website this fall. And um, we found that there are three things that we do best. We do HR staffing. We do highly customized management and leadership development. And we also do leadership and executive coaching. And who we work for, you know, it's interesting because we work with companies ranging from a 15-person startup to Nordstrom and Amazon at the other end of the spectrum. And it might be hard for people to get their heads around that and say, well, what, what is the common denominator? And what we've learned is that the common denominator really is growth. So the people who need us are fast-growing companies, and it really doesn't matter whether they're big or small. Probably the thing that I'm most excited about is the team that we have at Uniquely HR. We have a team of about five staff and 15 consultants, and they are really just some of the most incredible people that I've ever had the pleasure of working with. We get we get a lot of comments about, you know, really just not, not only the talent and capability of the team, but what a nice team of people. They're genuine. They're caring. They're very giving. And so, you know, I think, well, there is this cliche that says you don't have to like the people you've worked with. I think, you know, I, I've been, I've had a long enough career that I say I have earned the right to like the people I work with. And it goes for both the team as well as the clients. You know, we just work with people whose values are really well aligned with ours. And um, that makes it really, really enjoyable. I know you, you can just tell the love and passion you have for your people and your job just coming out right now. You can really tell it's like, it's really you saying that. That's a good, I really like that. And you bring a good point, like working on what is best for your company. I, I think there's a lot of companies out there, they try to do everything you know and I think like you see me focus on your strengths you know of course improve your weaknesses but if you have strengths play to those and you know and do that the best I know one thing that you always talk about is culture and I think I can speak say this when you say I think you believe that if a company doesn't have a great culture they're probably not going to make it why do you think culture is such an important factor for for a startup or any business especially for a startup Right. Yeah, we do focus a lot on culture. And that's really one of our values as well, is that when we look at an organization who we're going to work with, we really start by looking at their culture and talking about their culture. You know, there's a famous Peter Drucker quote that's, um, 
it's used a lot. Maybe it's a little bit cliche, but the saying goes that culture eats strategy for breakfast. You know what that means to me, and I think we've seen some unfortunate examples of this in the news lately, is that you can have a company that is filled with talented people, uh, you know, has a really innovative product or service and a fantastic strategy. But if the culture is off, you know, meaning especially if the culture is toxic and is one that prevents, you know, the best people from doing their best work in that organization, um, it will hurt the organization and, you know, likely it will either cause an organization to fail or uh, require a really significant turnaround. So, you know, that's what we think is so important about culture. I love working with startups because they have that opportunity to be intentional about culture and to think from a very early stage, whether that's, you know, a couple of co-founders or once you have a six or eight person team, and they really get a chance to step back and think about who do we want to be what do we stand for? You know, what's our mission, vision, and values? And you know, I think most importantly, what kind of people do we want to attract, and how do we want to treat those people? And um, and you know, when you join a lar- larger organization, it has a culture, and the different departments have their different subcultures. And that's fine. And especially if you're joining an organization where you love the culture, the difference in a startup is that you really get to build it from the ground up. And I just think that's an amazing opportunity. And it's certainly something that we love to be part of on the HR side. Another thing you talked about in the past is, uh, is diversity. I know you're big in diversity. I think, unfortunately, most startups, you know, before they know it, they have 20 employees and still, you know, all white guys. And then, oh, crap, we got to do diversity, you know. Yes. I like the fact you're trying to know get them to start thinking it, you know, at the early hires, you know, of course the first two or three is going to be people, you know, but then, you know, maybe instead of like hiring your friends, maybe open it up and, you know, people you don't know. So I like, we're lucky you're doing that too. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a fantastic point. And we actually had an opportunity to talk with a 14 person startup earlier this week. They already have a diverse team. They already have a diverse leadership team. It's so important to them, not just from a standpoint of doing good, but the fact that they know uh, it's a business mandate. Basically, they will be a better organization the more diverse they are. And so they are already being intentional. And I think you're right. It, it's never too early because we do hear those stories. You know, we're a 25-person company. Uh, it's mostly white male engineers. You know, maybe there's one woman and then they say, "How?" you know, they have good intentions. How do we find more women? How do we become more diverse? I just think it's harder the longer that you wait. So um, start early. It's never too soon. I think the wonderful thing in the Seattle area, there are so many people uh, providing resources around how do you find and attract those diverse candidates? How do you create an inclusive work environment for them? Um, How do you help set them up for success? You know, there are talks, there are meetups that you can go to. So there's a, a lot of discussion, which I think is fantastic. And I think there's a lot of action that's following those conversations too. Yeah, I definitely believe it takes a little extra effort to you know to do that, you know, but I think it's worth it in the long run because I think all the stats prove that uh, the more diverse you are, the better, you know, company you're going to have. It does. It does take effort. And, you know, just to build on the point that you made, uh, we all take a risk when we hire only from our networks, you know, myself, as well as every founder, every person that I've ever met, you know, our, our networks are usually limited just by nature. And so being intentional, um, reaching out, you know, asking people, and I think it's okay to ask. It may be a little awkward, but to say, you know, where do I find female engineers? I don't have them in my network. That's fine. You know, I'd so much rather that people go ahead and ask that question. 
Now, for me, looking outside, it seems like your company has had some like fantastic growth growth in your two years. How have you been able to achieve this and you know grow so so greatly? Yeah, thank you. Um, we're definitely excited about the growth. We have more than doubled year over year and plan to do the same thing here again in year three. You know, I, I really, partly I do credit the team. So we built a team of professionals who have spent the bulk of their careers in the Seattle area in human resources. And they have so many friends, colleagues, former clients who know and respect them that, um, you know, I think just having that team with me and having that amazing bench of people is one thing that attracts clients to us. Uh, It's a very relationship-based business. And it's also a very high trust business. We also have tried to be very active in the community, whether that's, you know, attending some meetups and startup events. So how does it work for you since you've been uh, open for, for business? Do you have you like gone and found customers yourself or have customers come to you? How does that work for you? Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, I always say I'm an HR professional. And so before launching this company two and a half years ago, I had never sold anything in my life. I don't view myself as a salesperson or a business development person. And yet I don't have a sales or business development person. So it really, um, it it does rest with me. You know, we experimented with a lot of things. And I know we're going to talk about failure. We experimented with a lot of things that we found did not work, whether that was, you know, just trying to meet up with a lot of our LinkedIn connections, cold calling in a way, you know, trying to do online and email campaigns. And what we learned was that in the process of doing those experiments, well, the experiments weren't really netting anything out for us. At the same time, the business was growing. The growth, though, was coming from our own networks. It was coming from referrals, and it was coming from uh, the growth of existing business. You know, I, I, I haven't quantified this yet, but what we have observed is that every company we've worked with, if there's been an opportunity for them to either uh, extend our engagement or use us for a future engagement, they have done so. And so, you know, I think to me, that's just a testament to the quality of work that our consultants do. And um, that's really what gets us that repeat business and has helped us to grow. Has there been time in the past when you've disqualified a company from doing business with you? Like whether, whatever the case may be, of course, don't use their name, but has that happened before? It, it has happened, you know, um, where we've either intentionally turned down a piece of business or um, actually extracted ourselves, you know, from an engagement. And there, it's, it's not frequent that we would do that. I would say um, it comes down to a couple of things. You know, one, if in any way the values aren't aligned, for instance, you know, we're there to do a strategic level of work and that really requires engagement from the client because, you know, they own their people and they own their talent strategy. And so if we can see that maybe they don't even have time to partner with us while we're there in the organization, or um, they're, they're kind of nodding and taking our advice, but not acting on it, then we feel like, well, it doesn't really benefit them to have us there uh, if they're not able to sort of, you know, take on our recommendations or, or partner with us to get things implemented. The case where we turned down business, you know, we had just heard some unfavorable things about the potential client, and we had actually heard that other service providers had stopped working with that client because their staff was not being treated well. And um, I really don't want to subject our staff to any environment where they may not be treated, you know, respectfully. I think life is too short for that. So uh, in that case, we just, you know, chose to say that we're probably not the best fit. And, you know, we wish them good luck in finding somebody who's right for them. 
Yeah, those are very good insights. So next, talk to us about a time that you were successful in the past, what you learned from the success, and what our listeners can learn from your success. Yeah, it's so funny that, I, you know, this, this was a harder example to think of for some reason. Uh, I think we, all, we tend to skate through our successes and, and not really look back. But I do think for me, the big success really was in choosing to go out on my own and in launching Uniquely HR. And I say that for a few reasons. You know, I, I think the biggest reason is that I'm the wage earner in my family. And like many people, you know, I had been very comfortable working in larger organizations where I had the security of a regular paycheck. Uh, I had fantastic, you know, medical benefits for myself and my family. I had stock options. I had 401k. I could take vacation, you know, when I needed to. And so, you know, all of those things get very comfortable and they feel very reliable. And then for me, because I had never been out on my own before, it was really a big thought process to say, can I leave those things behind? Will I be successful on my own? Will I earn enough in the time frame I have, you know, to make a living and to support my family? And so when, when we go through a transition like that, I think there's a, there's a very practical uh, set of things we need to evaluate, right? How much money do I have in the bank? How long can I go without taking a paycheck? But what I found for myself and even other folks who I've coached through transitions is that the bigger barriers are the things we tell ourselves. It's the self-limiting voices that say, I'm not good enough to do this on my own, or I don't have clients, I'm not known in the community, I'm not going to make enough money to survive. And um, you have to really work hard to put those voices aside and, and take the risk. I think the things that gave me the confidence in doing that one was saying, I know I can survive for X amount of time. I also know Seattle is the great job market. And if this doesn't work out for any reason, I will be able to find another job in Seattle. The other one, again, was, was just back to that passion. You know, when I tried to picture the next 15 to 20 years of my life and say, will I continue in the kind of jobs I've been in and continue doing, you know, what I've been doing, that didn't excite me. But the notion of going out on my own, uh, starting something new, all of the learning that would come with that, I was just so passionate about that in the end that uh, I had to give it a try. You know, and when people ask me today, well, you know, do you miss corporate jobs or would you ever go back? In the near term, the, the answer is no. You know, I love what I'm doing. I'm learning every day. Uh, it's fun and it's challenging and it's flexible. So I, I actually feel like going out on my own was the best kept secret. People don't, people talk about how hard and stressful it is. Very few people talk about how incredible it is. And I, I would say it's really been a lot of fun and I haven't had a bad day since I started. That's great to hear. I remember I read somewhere that starting your own business is like jumping off a cliff into a cloud without knowing what's at the bottom, you know? Yeah, I think, I think there's truth in that. You can't know what to expect until you do it. So be ready for the unknown. Be ready for the fact that it's unpredictable. Know who that support network is and know that you may have to be a little bit resilient while you get things going. But you know, that can be true in corporate jobs as well. I think that's what we forget. Corporate jobs can also be unpredictable. And you know, sometimes we lose our corporate jobs, companies merge or they shut down. So I think that we have a little bit of bias, and sometimes we believe that those jobs are more stable than, in fact, they are. That's a very good point. Now, talk to us about a time that you failed in the past, what you learned from this failure, and what we can learn from this. Yeah, it was so interesting because this actually came up in conversation the other day. So my failure, I think, was not pushing back or not asking enough questions when I got a particular mandate uh, at a company I was in, you know, where a very senior level executive was telling me, 
you know, here, here's an initiative, we have to do it, we have to do it this way, it's up to you, you go figure it out. And I know when, when a very senior leader says that to me, I take it verbatim, you know, maybe I'm a little more black and white, like, okay, you know, that's a senior person, they gave me a charter, I need to go and run with that. And in this particular case, the work was just simply it was harder to figure out, it was more complex, there were compliance and regulatory and other issues involved. And the team I had working on this, I mean, we worked on it for months. Now it's not to say we didn't check in with that leader. You know, we would have our monthly call and we'd say, you know, here are the challenges, this is proving to be very difficult. But I don't think I emphasized it enough because at one point, probably four months in, we were on a call and I said again, I said, you know, this is proving extremely difficult and I really need to hear from you, how much harder do you want us to work on it, uh, or what are all our alternatives? And the leader very quickly said, oh, it's that difficult, you know, we'll forget it, we'll figure out something else. And I was happy, but I was very stunned, and I said, I need to repeat that back to you, I need to make sure I heard you right, now you're saying, we don't even have to do this, we don't have to worry about it, we can choose an alternate path. And he said, oh, absolutely. So, um, we did. <laughs> and the lesson for me was that, you know, I probably could have saved myself and my team three of those four months by emphasizing earlier on how challenging this was and pushing harder for alternative options, even proposing those alternatives and just saying, look, I don't think this is the right path. You know, let's explore something else because we, we did lose that time. And as anyone knows, when you've been shifted from one project to another or, you know, some of your work uh, just ends up being dropped, that is something that's, that's frustrating to people. It was frustrating to me. I'm sure it was frustrating to the team at the time. So that's a great lesson learned for you then. Yes, it was. So you already covered this a little bit, but can you add some more to about how you add value, how you uniquely HR adds value and solves problems for your customers? Yeah. I think the, the first thing that we do is we really want to hear from the customer, understand the current state that they're in with regard to their, their HR processes, their HR infrastructure, what's working really well. Um, and maybe what's not working or what isn't in place today, right? And I, I think of that as we meet them where they are. So they might tell us, you know, we have an amazing interview and hiring process. It is working for us 100% of the time, but we don't, we don't have our policies. We, you know, we don't have our handbook in place. We're, we really want to start with what they need most. And I think the thing that the team enjoys most about working with startups is that we know startups are frugal. We know they will never hire us if they don't need us. And we know that the work we can do for them is going to have an immediate and a high impact. So we want to be really, really good listeners. We also want to ask a lot of questions because I would say one of the things we hear most frequently from clients about HR is they tell us, I don't know what I don't know about HR. I might not even know what to ask you guys for because I didn't know that I could automate a certain process or I didn't know that there was an amazing tool I could use for ongoing employee feedback. I didn't know that you have an ordinance in Seattle around sick and safety time and I guess we're not compliant with that because we never even heard of that particular ordinance. So we want to really use our insights, our expertise, what we've learned from working with a number of startup companies over the last couple of years to anticipate the needs of an organization. We also want to really customize our work for them. So 
Even though we help companies with their handbook, no two handbooks will ever look the same. Even though we do a lot of management fundamentals training, no management program at one company versus another will ever look the same because we want to talk about that company, their industry, their values, and cover the things that are most important to them. So next, I'd like you to talk about something that no one knows about you. Well, sure, maybe your family does, close friends, but something, something about yourself that most people don't know about you. All right. That's a good one. So most people don't know that in college, I worked at a freak show in Coney Island, Brooklyn. I was not I was not one of the freaks, so to speak. I actually sold concessions there. So I did get to hang out with the snake charmers, the sword swallower, and the bearded lady. That's a fun fact. <laughs> I would say on the business side, uh, a lot of people don't know that I had an opportunity to spend three years with Amazon in India. My husband and I moved with our two kids. They were four and seven at the time. Uh, we moved to India in 2009 and came back home in 2000. 2012. I would just say that that was an incredible experience that really shaped all of us. And for anyone who's ever considered doing an international assignment, I highly recommend it. I think you learn about different cultures, you learn about yourself, you also learn about how different cultures work. And it tests a lot of your own assumptions because the way you get work done in the U.S. can be extremely different from how you influence and connect uh, in any other culture. So for the Coney Island experience, I bet you could write a book just on that by yourself, couldn't you? All your experiences there. I should. And, you know, I wish I still had all my pictures because I think what would be really good is a photo album. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. And, and I know that's a great experience for your family being in India. I think I've always think it's always great to go to a different cultures and experience that helps you grow, at least from my point of view. I agree very much. So I understand you have some, uh, something for our listeners. I do, I do. So uh, we would like to offer free chat, free consultation for anyone who would like it, you know, whether or not you need our services, but you have some HR questions, um, training questions, questions about how to set up your culture. And um, you have an, an email and uh, information right on our website. So feel free to go out there and schedule a call with one of us. And can we provide any like social media platforms you'd like for them to reach out to you on, like it was a Twitter, Facebook, or whatever else you might have? Absolutely. Uh, we are there. We're on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. And so like us, follow us, and we'll do the same. And for our listeners, we're going to provide all this information on our show notes once we publish the podcast. So uh, we're coming to the end of our talk. Have any last words of advice or wisdom or just anything you'd like to uh, talk to our listeners about? Well, you know, my, my tip for HR is uh, I call it vote early, vote often. So, you know, think early about HR, about culture and hiring. Think about it often. And, you know, really, most of the leaders I've met have very, very good instincts. So I would just see, you know, be intentional about what you do and you'll succeed. Michaela, thank you very much for being on my show. You gave a lot of good advice and good insights to our listeners. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Jason. It was my pleasure. And to our listeners, thank you. I really appreciate your time. I know you have a lot of stuff going on, so we really appreciate what you're doing for us. And remember to be great every day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Cadmus HR. For more exclusive content, as well as your free copy of HR Laws, be sure to visit CadmusHR.com or connect to us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Cadmus HR or Jason Cadmus HR on Snapchat. Thanks again, and be great every day.